Hello everybody, welcome to the Williams Project podcast and today we're going to be discussing personal wealth creation. Now, very special episode today, I have a personal friend and business associate, Matt Harris from Lighthouse. Hello Matt. Hi Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know who Matt Harris is, he's one of the twins. Um, I think it's probably, actually you know, I'll, I'll do your introduction. So, so Matt is one of the leaders of industry for accounting, but not just accounting because there's lots of accountants. You, you are someone who's into structures and wealth creation more than just accounting. Would that be a fair synopsis? Yeah, that's definitely fair. So I, I started out as an accountant, obviously. Yeah. Uh, some people know my history. I was in the name revenue <coughs> for quite a while. Uh, and then private practice after that. But uh, really, I'm more interested now in wealth creation in totality. So that's not just accounting, which is probably more of a discipline and a widget than it is a, a creative tool. I'm, I'm more about financial planning, about uh, growing wealth, deploying capital. Uh, and obviously within that is accounting, yeah. uh, structures, tax minimization. But I yeah. think I like to see the whole thing as a holistic journey. Yeah, People cool. aren't just here to make money. If you make money and don't do anything with it, you'll never have any. So first, I think just slipping in a disclaimer, we're not financial, This, oh, you're financial, anyway, it doesn't matter. This <laughs> isn't financial advice. Please seek your own financial advice before making a decision. I highly recommend one-on-one -on -one meetings. So we're going to discuss things generally in this podcast, but make sure you seek your own financial advice before making a financial decision. Now, Matt, what was it like working at the IRD? Uh, honestly... <laughs> People ask me this a lot, especially because I, I think I'm quite normal. So I must be one of the few people who spent a long period of time at Inland Revenue and came out normal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, it was really interesting. People, uh, when you talk to the normal person on the street, all they think about when they think about Inland Revenue is that shitty call centre experience you get where you ring up and you're on hold for an hour and then, then they tell you to write in. Yeah. Uh, I worked in specialist taxation. We spent a lot of time fighting uh, the big brains on the other side who were thinking up tax schemes, who were helping uh, rich people avoid um, taxes. And then, yeah. and then a lot of low lowlifes, people doing Ponzi schemes, ripping people off. Uh, right down so to, oh, honestly, the best was the fake factory. Oh, which, tell us. Ooh. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll summarise it really quickly for the listeners because, you know, this is not meant to be about a trip down memory lane. But in short, a, uh, a fraudster, for lack of a better way of putting it, set up a fake factory in Rotorua and was selling New Zealand-made fox skins. <laughs> which, no! Yeah, which he was importing from Peru. For the overseas <laughs> listeners, um, New Zealand doesn't have foxes. Yeah. <laughs> that I know of. Dead giveaway. Uh, and he was, you know, he was making absolute fortune, but the factory... Uh, was fake, so he'd set it up to look like he was producing. He'd turn it on for five minutes before the tour buses arrived, and then, and then turn it off as they came in, and it was sitting empty again all day. Oh, unbelievable! It's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. And actually, since we're on memory lane, what what was that story you were telling me when we were walking from your office? And it was about that guy that got caught that built that huge building in town and he got caught not paying tax oh yes i reckon that's an interesting story. yeah so that one i can talk about because yeah. um, i wasn't actually involved in that case but uh that was crook signer versus ird and he was a very big deal property developer uh and eventually he got bankrupted by inlay revenue uh for 
for basically what he had done is figured out a scheme where he, instead of paying tax on his profits from his developments, he rolled it out of his current account and into a new development. Yeah. So it was a classic timing case. You know, he's just pushing the tax liability down the road. Yeah. But uh, there must be there must be rules around periods. Oh, there that definitely he was is somehow rules. Pushing. Uh, yeah. To, to, to put it really shortly, inlay revenue or the commission of inlay revenue does not like timing. So timing yeah. is when you advance expenditure and you defer income. Everyone's yeah. trying to do it. There's a heap of rules that try and stop you from doing it. Yeah. He figured out a scheme where he was doing it on a massive scale <laughs> and he went bankrupt. But here's what I love about the story. And doesn't this just tell you everything that you need to know about having good structures <laughs> in place? He still owns Achilles House, which is down uh, near our office uh, at the bottom of Fort Street. And uh, why that comes to memory is because he sold the air rights to that building for, to the Pacifica. So if you buy yeah. an apartment in the Pacifica, the Achilles house is in front of it on yeah. Custom Street. Yeah. Your view cannot be bought, uh, built out. Yeah. Uh, so it shows you that you know you can go bankrupt in a business activity, but that doesn't necessarily mean you, you lose all your wealth. And I mean, everyone's familiar with the story. You read the paper, bankrupt property developer lives in Herne Bay Mansion. That's because he doesn't own the Herne Bay Mansion. Yeah. A trust owns the Herne Bay Mansion. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, What's the saying? It's like... Um, Wealthy people control assets, don't own assets. Yeah, correct. And a trust is just a vehicle to control assets as if you own them. So let's just talk about structures, right? And and maybe I'll, I'll talk to you about the structure I have in place and we can discuss that um, as, a, as a case study for this. And then we can talk about maybe a few different options of what people should be doing. But again, listener, make sure you seek your own advice. We'll give you Matt's details at the end. So... Structures, right? I the the way I have my structure set up, and I'll I'll say my understanding of how things work, and then you can maybe give a deeper dive and a, a more um, detailed and diligent summary. I have my business, which is Williams Corporation. Williams Corporation is actually a series of businesses, but for the sake of the story, it's one entity. Yeah, and then I have a personal company. Um, where a whole, like a lot of my director's fees, um, some other fees that I have come into that. Um, and the purpose of that company is because it's taxed at 28% instead of 39%. Yep. And then above that, I have a personal trust. And the trust is in place essentially for asset protection and to, to not pay any, say, death taxes or something if they're introduced in the future. Yep. So that's relatively simple because you can get way more complex than that. Yep. So what what's your opinion on that structure? And for, just so the listeners are aware, we've not done any discussion before this podcast. We're having a true fly discu- uh, discussion yeah, on the fly. Yeah, the way it should be. So first of all, I like that structure. I actually think simple structures are better yeah. Uh, what you've got there is you've actually got a mechanism uh, for deferral. Yeah. So the company's a perfect timing machine. So when you pay tax in a company at 28%, that is not a final tax. That's designed to allow you to recycle capital in your company and build that company over time. Yeah. If you take uh, any income outside the company in the normal manner, so that's shareholder salary or dividend, yeah. then you pay tax at your marginal tax rate. So in New Zealand, uh, tax rates are 175 uh, 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 30, 33, 39. 39 is pretty heavy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty heavy. 39 is heavy. Yeah. So even, even, everything above 70,000 is 30. And, and what, 70 to 180 is 33. And 
that's that's heavy. But you can see but by you, using there's a, no there's no reason to ever pay that. No, well, well yes, there can be. There can be actually. So yeah. uh, if if you actually need the capital from the company for personal reasons. So imagine you pay tax and twenty eight percent, you've got a retained earnings. Yeah. But you need a million dollars to buy a personal house to but live in. That should all be able to be done in a trust. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So you'll be able to pass it up to the trust. Yeah. And this is where structures are really important. So just to use that example, obviously in a company example, you've sold, saved 11% over the top tax rate. So massive saving. Yeah. Uh, if you go to a trust, trusts work a little bit differently. So trusts either pay tax at 33%, which is the trustee rate. That's a final tax. So unlike a company at 28, if you pay it outside the company, you pay up to the marginal tax rate. In a trust, you pay 33% at trustee level and that is the flat rate. Yeah, done. Yeah, yep. final. Yeah. Final. So you still have an advantage over the 39% rate for the trust. Yeah. Or you can go out to beneficiaries and trusts are such that you can have a really wide class of beneficiaries over time. Yeah. Children, wives, wives to be. Yeah, you can have children that don't exist. Yeah, yeah, correct. Like I was reading somewhere yeah. about um, the original Packer Trust was set up to benefit the great great grandkids when they, they were two generations away from existing. It was something yeah. like that. Yeah, and you said to me the other day when we were at dinner, we were talking about the Todd family. Yes. Who had probably got the best example of intergenerational trust and intergenerational wealth creation and management. You know, those yeah. every kid that gets born into that uh, family automatically gets a dividend every yeah. year from, from the holding. So, so and it's they have structured possible. releases in the Todd Trust. It's something like um, any education is paid for... Um, I'm probably butchering this. There'll be a Todd listing that's rolling their eyes. And there's an age where you can buy a house and there's there's all these milestones as well as their salary um, for quality of life of the family, which is cool, right? Yeah, it's really cool. And their family office makes sure that all the family is looked after. So I know people, actually, I think we should go one step back and then we'll go one step forward. So one step back, I am John. I'm relatively good at what I do. I'm a manager of Williams Corp, right? I'm, I'm good at what I do. I make $120,000 a year. I'm seen as a respectable member of society. Why should I have any structures? Why shouldn't I just get my salary and be John? Yeah. Why should I do something more than being John in society? Common question. I really think the easiest answer is professionalism. Mm-hmm. If you strip everything away from a structure, at its core, you have professionalism. Yeah. So if I'm a builder and I operate as a sole trader, and I'm a builder who operates through a company structure, I might do exactly the same work, but the market views me differently yeah. intrinsically because a company is a professional structure. Yeah. Uh, a company allows me to grow that business out past myself. Yeah. Uh, whilst I could do that as a sole trader, you know, you can employ people, you can pay GST, you can do everything. Yeah. You lack that fundamental professionalism. And the second thing you lack is separate legal entity. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a big one. I want Very you to dive important. into that because yeah. it's so important. Hugely important. So with that professionalism This is part, more law, but yeah. the accountants know it all. It works though. Yeah. Uh, this, with that professionalism part, if you are an individual, I'm not saying you're not professional, but you can, with that structure, you start growing it past yourself. Yeah. Secondly... Theoretically, companies, for example, provide limited liability. Yeah. So for the listeners, that's basically, that limits your liability to the assets of that company in yeah. certain circumstances. Yeah, in most circumstances. Yeah, yeah. unless yeah. you give personal guarantees yeah. or securities, which you'd try to avoid if you could. Yeah. Unless you're a property investor, then you're giving them <laughs> for, yeah, everything. for every, everything and <laughs> everyone. Uh, <laughs> I, I also like, um, this is my understanding of 
how I view, I, I sort of try and put things in boxes so I understand them better. And one thing I think is I think an individual is doomed to be taxed poorly by its government because an individual is trapped within a system and there's not really any competition and the government can sort of take advantage of that individual, right? Yeah. Where company tax is more in a capitalistic world of global competitiveness and countries need to compete with their company tax being at a reasonable level or else countries set up their headquarters elsewhere and divert taxes overseas, etc. So if you try and take majority of your income through a company, you'll have a more competitive taxation system than as an individual because as an individual, there's no competition because there's only one government. Yeah, correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so we've got professionalism, we've got separate legal entity and li limited liability, and third, cab off the rank, taxation. <laughs> yeah. So companies and trusts have implicit tax advantages over and above an individual. Yeah, and also not that New Zealand has a death tax, but I think there's something really big in the fact that a company never dies. Yes. And I do think that you should set up all of your structures knowing that the poor behaviour of government within your lifetime, they could put a death tax in. Yes. And it's, it's not something you should rule out. No, it's, it's um, I think, you know, with the capital gains tax that keeps getting brought up, uh, the discussion, you know, that the chances of inheritance tax coming back in the future are probably high. Yeah. Uh, I like what you say about the company never dying. Yeah. Because when you look at a trust structure, uh, trust theoretically should and can die. Yeah. So there's this thing called the rule against perpetuity, which basically means that you're not meant to be able to control your wealth past a certain amount of time after your lifetime. Oh. So it's 120 years now in, really? in New Zealand for a trust. Um, and Are there structures we can get around that? Well, you just resettle your trust. Yeah. So all these Todd trusts, for example, they'll be resettling every 100 years or whatever their deed allowed for at the time. Yeah. Um, whereas companies do, they live on in perpetuity. Yeah. Unless you they fail or get wound up um, by design, mm. they live on. Mm. And um, I think therein lies a really important thing about a company and, and the fact that a company is, is really transitioning away from individual. You can start a company today and you can be long gone and in 200 years that company could theoretically still be running. Yeah, which yeah. is, I did a podcast about this about four episodes ago. Um, I'm unsure, irrelevant, but about your immortality project. Right, and, mm. and in life, we all battle our own mortality, and there's things we should do while we're here on our earth to cement our legacy. And children is a good one. Yep. a piece of a piece of art, whether you paint a picture, and you write a book, a yep. piece of creative endeavor is a yep. good one. But also a company, in my opinion, like think of Ford. We still we discuss Henry Ford all the time, yes. right? There's and I think a company is a very good way. I use the example of Steve Irwin's zoo. Yes. What a fantastic immortality project. You go to Australia Zoo, right? And you just think of him. You can't not the whole way you walk through there. Yeah. So that is, that's something, especially for me in my life, my short of children and a few books, it'll be Williams Corporation and a few big ass buildings like say what Trump did with the Trump Tower. Which will, which will be my legacy. Yeah, and I think, correct me if wrong, you've got a, about a 100-year yep. plan for Williams? 11 years. Uh, well, we've got a 100-year plan. At any one time, we have a 100-year plan, which is essentially a vision of how we see the world and how we see proper, property creation within the world of how it is, right? It's essentially 
the world's population is growing and the world is urbanizing. So we see that there is a massive demand for affordable houses in urban areas in essentially countries that respect property rights. That, that's roughly yep. pursue, summarizing a big, big document into a, a few bullet points. That is our 100 year plan. Then our five year plan is essentially principles for how each department's operated. So it's like, um, we need to have this structure in place. We need this people. This is how we train our people. This is how we get the best out of people. And then we have a one year plan, which is like buy land for 350 houses in Auckland, have this much cash holdings, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Right. So that's, so it is a plan, but it's more like, yeah, no, it is a plan. It is. Yeah. And, and, but it always resets. So it, we're 11 years trading. Doesn't mean that we only have 89 years left yeah. in our 100 year plan. We, we still have 100 years ahead of us at any time. Yeah, and doesn't yeah. that tell you a funny thing, right? We're talking about transitioning from sole trader to company to trust, but at the end of the day, it's all people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, without the people to have the idea and run the business, the structures are... Uh, nothing. Nothing. They're worthless, yeah. yeah. But it can get past the people, which yeah. is our next discussion We can get past point. the founder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and well, not just the founder. Um Purchasing long-term assets. Yes. Yep. That's something you and I, we always discuss this. Yeah. Um, give the listeners a summary. So, so again, so actually, no, no, I want to go back before we do that. Yeah. Complicated structures. Okay. I hear people discuss, look through companies. I yep. hear people discuss all sorts of things. So we've, we've got, we've agreed that most people should have a structure, right? And that could just be a trust. It could just be a company. Yep. It could just be whatever. You can then start to have a, a medium structure like what I have, where I have Williams Corporation, a holding company, and a trust. I actually have a little bit more around the outside, but it's semantics. And I have some structures in other countries, but it's mm -hmm. semantics. Yep. Now let's discuss something complicated. Is, is there good places? Is there benefits of it? What, what are they? Uh, what, what is a complicated yeah, structure? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, of course, there's benefits, but it really depends on who you are. Yeah. Complicated structures generally only suit complicated financial affairs. Okay. You've what would that be? Uh, high net worth individuals yeah. um, operating in multiple jurisdictions, so in other countries. Yeah. Um, maybe complicated family business where there's lots of people you know, who have various rights to that business. Yeah. And I know a few like that. Uh, outside of that, all you end up with is uh, increased cost, not increased efficiency. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think I, I, I believe that structures should be fit for purpose. And yeah. I do come across clients sometimes who have multiple, multiple structures set up by their accountant. And there's very little purpose to it other than getting an annual fee. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like that. Yeah. Um, so so if, if you're not turning over more than a couple hundred million. Yeah. Pretty much forget it. Pretty much yeah. forget it. Well, because the other problem you have, right, when you're at that level, at a couple hundred million, um, you can afford the, the correct device and you can afford to maintain those structures and there's probably a high upside. Also, there's a lower downside risk from the government coming along and wiping the floor with you for these structures because you can show the commercial reality of them. Yes. If you're operating at two to five million and, and you're funneling a million of that offshore and royalties to, to Laoban <laughs> or something, you know, and you're paying the RWT at 10 or 15%, uh, so it's a, um, the, uh, 
non-resident, ANRWT, sorry, at 15%, you know, that the government's going to come along and go, well, we're just going to slap you and we're going to deplete your resources over the next five years whilst you fight us about it. So, you know, that's another reason why you shouldn't yeah. be going there unless you can afford to. Yeah, so, so there are benefits if you have the critical mass. If yep. you're doing it to avoid tax and you're a small business, and you're going to get your ticket. Yeah, if that's your only reason for having that structure, you're you are going to get, gonna your get your Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. And, and I'm... Small businesses should have structures, right? They should have a company and there should probably be a trust in there somewhere for yeah. asset protection and for tax efficiency. Outside that, you don't need to be stupid about it. Yeah, okay. And, all right, that's good. I like that. Hmm. So now, I've I've got a structure that's fitting to my life. I'm, I'm getting out there in life. I'm working hard. I've made a bit of dough. Wealth creation. Yeah. We always discuss this. So yeah. give me your... Elevate or your your opinion and your your values on wealth creation. Yeah, hugely important. So at uh, Lighthouse, we believe in uh, buying long term assets. We believe financial literacy plus action equals financial success, and the action bit's hugely important. We'll come back to that. Uh, and we believe that compounding returns are the most powerful force in the financial universe. Cool. So well, what is so great little from the slogan, start. right? Oh, There's great. my elevator pitch for you. I'm um, starting from the start, right? Financial literacy, that one is difficult because New Zealanders, uh, traditionally our financial literacy isn't overly high. Yeah. Uh, and also we, uh, property is what we're obsessed with and it's what we know. Yeah. And that's notwithstanding that property has some distinct advantages over other types of investments such as leverage. Mm. Uh, but, but And it's simple. So the action bit is, is important, the financial literacy is important. Most people can get some steer from a financial advisor or their accountant. Yeah. yeah, the action bit's a bit harder. Yeah, but you've got to do that. Yeah. Then the buy in the long term assets. So this is something I I truly believe in, and I think over time, you can paint a really clear and easy picture with long term assets. Be it property, mm. be it shares, be it artwork, uh, you know anything like that 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 survives over long term. And I personally um, only like assets with a dividend. Yeah, I like I like Warren Buffett's where it's just. Like, don't get me wrong, if you love art, or like like I have my watches, which you could technically classify as an investment. Well, they're definitely right? going up in value. <laughs> More than some of my other positions. <laughs> Crypto. <laughs> well, I thought we were going to say, it was just unspoken. <laughs> but I, I like, my, my opinion is I, you want something that pays you without realising the asset. Yeah, I mean, I think cash flow is really important. Yeah. And so... Uh, compounding returns over time, if we quickly tick that one off, that's basically an asset increasing in value. Yes. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. paying out for the yeah. productivity of the yeah. asset I like. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So so with property, um, that's a pretty simple uh, incremental gain over time thing. You, you buy it, you add value sometimes, you wait for rents to go up, you wait for mortgages to reduce, and you wait for the value of the property to increase. Yeah. Generally, minimum in line with inflation, but but often higher. And I know a lot of people will be sitting there right now and the media's rammed it down their throat right now. The property dream is over and no, it's not. Yeah. Um, don't don't be a sucker. Yeah. It's maybe over for the rest of this year. And it might even be over for the rest of next year, but it's definitely not over. Uh, and the cycle will start again as, as um, true as the sun coming up in the morning. So the buy in the long-term asset bit's really important because we're not talking this year, next year, five years. We're talking five, 10, 15, 20 years of accumulation of assets. Well, do you know what's funny, right? It's 
the difference between how wealthy people act and how poor people act. As you know, Williams Corporation Capital, we've got a big, um, we have a big investment fund that sort of pays for us to build our houses. Mm. So at, at the moment, we have about 150 million under management. And I notice about 10 of our big investors, they're taking some of their money out to purchase property. Yeah, tells you, you know, what I mean? know doesn't it? Because <laughs> every time I get a withdrawal form, and, and look, when you're managing, we, we'll, we'll lose, say, let's say we lose 20% a year, 30 million, but we're replacing at a rate yep. faster than that 30 million comes out with new investors coming in. Yep. Uh, but I notice the big boys, when a big chunk comes out, I always call them and I'll say, oh, what's going on? They go, I just bought this building here or I just built that there. Yeah. And it's always a property purchase. Yeah. And that's what the people that are dabbling in tens, hundreds of millions yeah, are Yeah, correct. And they're going against the grain. Isn't they haven't bought funny? anything in the last three years whilst the market's been hot. Yeah. And it's really cool at the moment that the big boys are out there buying. And the same will be in the, happening in the share market. And dare I say it, probably in the crypto market. Oh. It didn't collapse, which tells me it probably might not. Yeah. Um, and probably there's some big whales will be going around chomping up quite a lot of that Bitcoin. I think one thing I, because um, I, I got my teeth kicked in on crypto, right? But I only um, invested the same amount that I'd spend at the casino. Yeah, correct. Right? So I treated it in the same way that I treated playing blackjack. But yeah. one thing I, just a wee rule I made with myself after the crypto affair was, I'm only going to buy things that pay me a dividend. Yeah for pro productive activity yep. so and that's why i like pro and this is just me right yeah and i i need i need to make sense of it for me to believe it me to back it and me to stick with it yeah yeah and and there'll be people that have their own story i'm not saying don't do crypto i'm just saying no why. Yeah. and i mean that's where the importance of a financial plan and an advisor comes in because someone's someone might go right i only want to invest in, in companies that pay dividends because I, I don't, or I only want to buy a positive cash flow investment property, yeah. which probably means you're just going to not have a very high gearing, yeah. which actually reduces your rate of return. So it's not a great yeah, idea. I know. Yeah. But some people risk is, are a risk averse. Or you might go, right, I'm someone who can invest in speculative assets because I earn a lot of money in my day job. And yeah. uh, it's it's just casino money to yeah. me. Yeah. So it's not necessarily wrong that you that you invested that money because you could afford to lose all of it. Yes. And I bet you haven't spent a moment worrying about it. No, except I make some funny um, story posts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all do. Everyone everyone who owns some crypto rights now stop talking about it in the office for now. <laughs> um, so anyway, the final, like, you know, because we, we're just spiraling around down the rabbit hole here and I love That's it. That's the best. People it's, love yeah, it. Yeah, it's right. Uh, but the, 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 if you're a business owner listening, the most important thing that business owners can do to grow their long-term wealth is deploy capital. And this is yep. something my experiences as, uh, at Inland Revenue has shown me and on the other side has shown me in a different way is that if you do not deploy your capital, you will never truly grow your wealth. Agreed. Uh, and to give an example, whilst I was at Inland Revenue, I... I spent lots of time looking at high net worth individuals and they had taken the, the company dividends they got and the, the director's fees, all these income streams, and they had bought assets in their private names. They'd bought beach houses, they'd bought investment properties, they'd bought fancy Herne Bay mansions. And over a period of, we, when you add in there, you don't just look in that year, you're going back four or five and you're going to see what they've got. And you see over that four or five year period how much growth they've had in those assets that are effectively passive. Yeah. Uh, and so on the other side, I sit on the board where I used to when I um, was actually doing client accounting meetings. I don't do them that much anymore. But I used to sit in there and go, hey, 
client, how are you? Had a good year, look, you've made $200,000. This is your tax bill. And they go, oh, I don't know where the money is. I'm like, well, yeah, you do. So we open the balance sheet and you point to the money. It's in drawings, loan reductions, capital assets, whatever. But moral of the story is they weren't any wealthier after making 200 grand that year yeah. because they hadn't done anything with it. Yeah. And I get sometimes I have this meeting four or five times in a row. And every year I'm like, look, we need to get a financial plan in place. You need to start buying assets. Uh, and the sooner you start buying those assets, the sooner you can have that compounding return equation work from, for you. And I'd say right now, if you're a business owner who hasn't done anything, it's a perfect time to go buy an investment property or buy buy a house because they're going to be easier now for a very short window and you get that wealth creation underway. Yeah, that's that's really important. Like, this is what I love about property. It's like a sink of wealth. Mm. Like, property captures wealth. Like, and, and I'm just going to um, compliment you to the listener. The one thing I like about Matt... He has money. There's so many fucking charlatans in this space. <laughs> like people who own no property that sell investment properties, people that have no wealth that do wealth creation seminars. Like you've got a big punchy property portfolio and a big business. And mm. that's cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, you just have to look. Like for example, I can look any person in the eye. I'll give myself a plug. And I'll be like, you should buy a property from Williams Corporation. We're good at what we do. It will be a great capture of wealth, right? If anything goes wrong, we're a big company that's here to support you. We'll do what's right by And this isn't about Williams Corporation, but like, you're not a charlatan. And the problem with yep. this space is there's too many charlatans. Yep. And that's why you have a duty of care to be more noisy and capture more of clients' attention and markets' attention. Yes. Because you're the real deal. Yeah, and, and look, to be honest, at Lighthouse, we aren't working on it. We've got a full-time yeah. marketing person now. You know, we're trying, we actually firmly believe in lifting people's financial literacy. And I, I don't just sit in the, the meeting and go, hey, you're paying me, I'm telling you what to do. I believe it. Yeah. And I've done it myself over many years. I, I just saw one of the people in the, the investment property space just got put into liquidation by the... Um, IRD, yeah. and I'm not going to mention them because it's irrelevant, but it's just like, oh, goodness yeah. gracious. And she was probably number one charlatan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think, oh, now I want to take this one step deeper on another aspect. Um, remember the discussion we were having about long, long-term wealth retention? So yes. we've talked about structures, we've talked about growing wealth. I think that the listener needs to understand how currencies can go to zero, countries yep. can go to zero, governments can seize your assets, you can have bad behavior. I think there is a place for the next level once, see, I'm at the moment, I've, I'm fortunate that I've created enough wealth where I can start to try to think a few generations ahead, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, one, I think New Zealand's actually a good fucking bet, but it's still only a 98% bet. You know what I mean? You could still have bad behavior from the government. You could yep. still have reduction of the currency down to bugger all. You yep. could still have all sorts of stuff. Um, so now I'm thinking, right, well, I'm going to put a bit of wealth in Australia. Um, I'm going to put a bit of wealth in Singapore. And I'm going to put a bit of wealth in the Philippines just because that lies up with my business interests. I think for the average Kiwi, Looking at buying a property and having a bit of dough in Australia across the ditch, I think that's quite an intelligent hedge 
You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So two things. I, I, you know, I probably haven't spent a lot of time thinking about how a country can go to zero, yeah. but if the events of the last four years under the Labour government had told me anything, I was wrong about how what I thought governments were capable of and how far they'd move against the people. Mm. And you know, obviously, I'm not a Labour supporter. I think that's, that comment probably makes that quite clear, but. But in, in general, I think what, uh, if you take property investors as a really good example, the Labour government has pretty much persecuted them. Uh, but also from, made them very wealthy at the same time. Property yes. still went up like 70% yeah, under their correct. government. They made anyone with assets yeah. wealthy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but I think you know what it shows me is that they, they're out of touch because those very investors provide a huge amount of accommodation in New Zealand. They're very, very cheap rate comparative to the government, but... but it, they, the way, and if you look at the borders, which they refuse to open properly, and the way they spend money, you know, there is actually, I, I've never considered there to be a risk that this country could go wrong. Mm. But I think now more than ever, there's probably people out there could see that it could happen. Mm. It might still I, only be a 2% chance. Yeah, I still, I, I have no, I still think 95% of my wealth is still in New Zealand. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm, I'm not, this is not a, anti-New Zealand discussion because I still think New Zealand over a hundred years will perform very well. Yeah. But I'm not a hundred percent in. So I'm, my second comment yeah. is that you're right, but I don't think it's for everyone. Like yeah. you said. But I, even if okay, we okay, where do you reckon the line is? Well I just think that I because of the financial literacy issue here, I'd way rather just get someone moving here with a New Zealand investment property. I'm talking investment property three or four. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, so yeah. I think Australia definitely that's the natural yeah. place, and we have clients that do that already, and yeah. this this versa. Yeah, that's that's natural. Uh, and Australia, I think, is 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 a good bet because it's a vastly bigger economy, a bigger country, more populated, and also the other thing about them, which people may or may not realise, is they're heavily aligned with the US. Yeah, they think like the US, they act like the US, and they they. Um, realize the wealth from their minerals. Yep. Which I think that, or well, natural resources is a bit something comment. the US does very well. Iraq. And I think we should do it. <laughs> 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 That's fantastic. Okay, right. So I've got three questions to end the podcast. Right. <laughs> Question one How do people find you personally? Yeah, so um, just follow Matt Horncastle's stories on Instagram. <laughs> What's your Instagram handle or your LinkedIn? What uh, do you use? Matt.Harris1 is the Instagram. Uh, Matt Harris on LinkedIn. Just if you search Lighthouse Financial, you'll find me. Yeah, that's my second yeah. question. How do they find you professionally? Yep. So uh, lighthousefinancial.co.nz. Uh, cool. And what would be your closing statement? So the average list you're going to get. The average listener of this podcast is a 28-year-old male in New Zealand. <laughs> um, but no, actually, we have a broad range of listeners all over the world. Yep. What is and What would be your closing statement of one thing you want them to remember or, or a, a series of things? Yeah, um, so my, my overriding statement is people who don't take the first step will never take the second. Cool. So what that means is do something. The best time to buy a property was five years ago, the second best time is today, if property investing is your thing. Yeah. The best time to get a financial plan is now. The sooner you start growing your, your wealth uh, and protecting it and managing it properly, the better off you will be over time. But it takes action. Yeah. Gotta like take that. the first step. Love it, you're a legend. Thanks man, awesome. appreciate it. Thanks man.